I'm going to eventually get to the scripture that I want to talk about um, in Matthew 11, uh, verses 28 through 30. Even the heathen know this scripture. But I want to give you a background before I get to the scripture. So in Matthew 11, like the first 27 verses, here's what's going on. Jesus had a meeting with his disciples. And, you know, he's, he's sending them out strategically. But then he, he says, look, I'm going to go uh, around the cities of Galilee. I'm going to do a, a preaching tour. And I'm going to teach and preach in those cities. Um, and the, the way he used to do stuff like that was, it's not always that he went from city to city to city, but he'd go into a place and people from various cities would go there. Okay? So anyway, you know, at that time Jesus was... He was drawing some pretty good crowds. And uh, so there's a whole bunch of people there and a cross-section of humanity. But what they had in common is they they were fairly religious. And I'm not saying this in a negative way. They're, they believed in God. They believed in the traditions. You know, they, they were like sort of sincere, right? And, you know, of course, they were the, you know, the outcasts. Um, they weren't necessarily religious, but they were interested too. But So there's very needy people, and then people who think they knew stuff, and they just wanted more. They came there, and Jesus is going to talk to them. And he started out by saying things like, well, you know, I've sent you John the Baptist, and a couple of my disciples have been in your area, and I just want to let you know, you're not getting the message. I mean, the message has been preached to you by the you know, people that I've sent. And you're not getting it. He's challenging the people. That, that to me, I keep on going, Jesus, I know you're God, but that's dumb. You have all these people, and you start off challenging them. I mean, he's saying things like, look, we played the flute for you, but you're not dancing. We sang a dirge, but you're not listening. That's just a nice, in New Jersey, we would say, hey, you're not getting the message. He's not mad. He's saying, you're sincere, but you don't quite have the message. And he, he, was, he was even rebuking not just the people there, but whole cities, whole areas. And, and he's saying, listen, there are some cities where where I did miracles, the whole city changes. Everybody goes crazy. But I do miracles amongst you, and you go, oh, that's nice. You know, praise the Lord, you know. It's not a big deal. It doesn't have that transformative effect. When, when I do these really good things in your midst, they're just really good things. So he's just letting them have it in his nice messianic Jewish way. Thank you for coming. You don't get it. I've sent you people and you, you have to give you the message, but you just don't get it. And in the middle of that, Jesus acts like a crazy person. Have you ever talked to someone in Walmart and you're talking to them and all of a sudden they go, and they start praying? You know, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. You run from people like that. You just do. You have another, yes, Lord. Oh, oh. Well, that's what Jesus does. He, he, he start, right, right while he's challenging, he stops and he prays this prayer. Uh, verse 25 through 26 says, you have hidden these things from the wise and learned, people who think they know stuff, and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was well-pleasing in your sight. So just watch this. Jesus is going, y'all are not getting the message. I've sent you people. You haven't gotten the message, but don't worry about it. It's the Father's will that you're not getting the message. What? 
And then he prays this so that everybody can hear it. All things have been been entrusted to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Basically what he's saying, look, it's the Father's, it pleased him to let you think you know something. I'm here to tell you that you don't know what you think you know. You really don't have the full message. It's not in you. It's not really transforming you. But now I'm here. And I'm going to share some things which there's grace for you to grab it and be transformed. That's basically how he's going at that. And then right after that, he says these beautiful verses. You can put it up. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavily burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I cannot tell you how many dozens of times when there's an altar call, time for ministry, boom, bring this scripture out. Are you hurting? Are you burdened? Are you heavy laden? Are you sick? You know, all, you, do you have issues? Are you struggling? Please come up front. Come to Jesus and Jesus will meet you. And we even say, you know, come unto Jesus, you who are labor and are heavily burdened, and, and Jesus will give you rest. Take my, take his yoke upon you and, and learn from him, yada, yada, yada. And what's really cool is God usually shows up and he just does some really wonderful things. I'd like to unpack this in a way that, gosh, it, when I saw what was really going on, you know, number one, I went, oh, Jesus, you're a genius. You're a genius. And two, it made me understand how much more deeply Jesus is serious, not just to bless us, but he's serious to put us in a position to actually follow him no matter what. Like, that's not a bonus. That's like his end goal for us. He's serious about that. So, come to me. I just did a little digging around. And it's a funny sort of come to me. It's an invitation. But it's more than an invitation. It's one of those really nice, gracious commands. It's, it, it's not just an invitation. It's a command. There's an imperative to it. Uh, for those of you who have kids, you know, let's say you, your patience hasn't been worn thin. Your kids are playing music just a little too loud. And, and you go, hey, and do you think maybe you want, might want to consider turning that down a bit? Now, a smart child will realize that that's not an invitation. It's a command, okay? So the first thing we should know, Jesus is looking at all these people, and he says, look, you're not getting the message, but that's okay. My father's in control. Now I'm going to give you the message, all right? He's setting them up, and instead of going how wrong they are, you know, you got this, you're not dealing with this right, you're so religious, All, I mean, he doesn't do any, or you let your past rule you, he, he doesn't start going around pointing out why they are burdened. He doesn't do that. He just goes, as is, come to me. 
has come to me. Why? Come to me, all you who are heavy laden and burdened, and I will give you rest. What's really interesting is many times we do so many things in order not just to be successful or effective. We do so many things to have that sense of satisfaction, rest, peace, safety. And Jesus, he looks at all these people, all these people who have not gotten the message. They're still struggling. All of a sudden, he says, look, y'all are a mess. And so Father's goodwill to let you stay in that mess Come to me, and what you're looking for, I'll give it to you. Your husband can't give it to you. Your past definitely can't give it to you. Your idea of the future can't give it to you. You trying really hard to be good enough, that can't give it to you. Just come to me, and I will give you rest. This word rest, <coughs> anapazo. I just looked it up. It's... Come to me and I'll give you a refreshing. I'll give you relief. I'll give you a breather. How many, you know, we just had a really hard month this last week. And we come to church and you just come up and you pray. And it, David, when, when he was serving King Saul, he was doing a great job. He was doing too great a job. So Saul started throwing spears at him. Right? Then he had to run away. Right? And David, David is stressed. Y'all know what it is to be stressed? Yes, that's my middle name. You know, he's stressed and he goes into a cave just to get a breather, just to receive ministry from the Lord. Right? Just to calm him down. That's what Jesus is saying. Is, Look, your condition is worse than you know. I don't hate you. I love you so much. I am the solution. Come to me, and I will give you a breather. More broadly, no questions asked, no conditions. You don't even have to repent. Just bring your issues, your anxiety. Bring the condition of your heart to me. Don't fix your heart. Don't stay in the crowd and try to fix things. You come to me, and I'll give you rest. It's like rest is a commodity. It's like Jesus has got the rest. You come to him. You got issues? And you, there's hope. But then, what Jesus says next is not just a genuine continuation of that first phrase. You'll see this. He goes, Come to me and I'll give you rest. That invitation slash command is also a door to become an invite uh, to, to become a disciple. People who believe and receive ministry, Jesus loves them, will go to heaven. But that is not the same as a disciple. And Jesus goes from, come to me, and I'll minister to you. I'll love you. You won't have to earn it. Come to me, and I will give you rest. And then he says this crazy thing. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Seems like a real simple thing. 
Let me give you some backdrop of what Jesus has just done. It's not a bait and switch. It's not a come here and I'll take care of you. And now you got to have to do this. What Jesus said, look, I want to minister to you. I want to love to you. I want to prove to you and take care of you. You know, come to me, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. There's two illustrations. The first one is this. Um, Back in those days, they used to plow using oxen, usually. Uh, If they ran out of slaves, they used oxen. That was a joke. Relax. So how they usually did it is they had a very strong, older, experienced ox. And a younger one, just as strong, but less experienced. And then they yoked them together, right? Now, the older ox knows what to do. The younger ox is just a younger ox. But the older one knows what to do, is a little more experienced, just a little bit stronger, and then it's time to go. Imagine being the younger ox. You're like this, and you know, what are we doing? You know, can we go play? No. But the older ox is going forward, and I mean, you're yoked to him, and it's like, uh, uh, you're not dragged, but it's uncomfortable. You start chaffing, you know, or chafing. Not chaffing, chafing. You start chafing, and that poor younger ox, right? That's one sense in which you can be yoked to something. Someone, someone or something that is stronger, wiser, knows what they're doing. You have a lot of potential, but when you yoke up with that one, he knows where he's going. He knows what he's doing. He's not always going to explain to you what he's doing. But if you're yoked to him, you're going along for the ride. Have you ever had that? You know, just following Jesus. He goes, do this, do this. Yeah, fine, check. Do this. I don't want to do that. Have you ever had that? Guys, have you ever, you know, you love your wife so long as she loves you back. What do you do when she doesn't love you back? You know, lay your life down. No, that's not how it's supposed to go. Anyway. The other illustration is the one that really hits home. Back in those days, if you were a, a very young man, I, 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 either a young man or an old kid around there, and you're post-bar mitzvah and all, a time where you'd start growing as a, as a legitimate man, as a, a, a spiritual man, a spiritually mature man and all, after a while, you start, you start looking for a mentor. You start looking for your rabbi. And you get to know the rabbis in the area, and then you really make an application. Look, um, would you be my rabbi? And the rabbi, he'll think about it. He'll go, oh, well, maybe, maybe not. You know, I mean, he would just do the rabbi thing. You know, there are so few Jews in this area. You're not even laughing at that. <laughs> just, look, when I talk about Jewish people, think of, every, how many of you know everyone loves Raymond? You know the TV show? Okay, good. Raymond's mother. She's Jewish. <laughs> so the idea is, is it, so I want to be, I want you to be my rabbi. Here's what that means. I want to get under your covering and I want to serve you. And I want you to teach me how to think, how to act how to feel, how to govern my heart, and how to see things. And I want what you teach me 
to have authority over all the competitors. That's what the young guy is communicating to the rabbi. And if the rabbi says yes, he knows what he said yes to. Back in those days, when you get a rabbi, when you, when you apply and he goes, okay, you can come follow me. All right? You can be my disciple. You know what they call that? Yoked. You are now yoked. You've taken on the yoke of your rabbi. Isn't that fascinating? So Jesus goes from come to me and I'll give you rest. And then he moves, take my yoke and learn from me. That is a deep demand. Because they all understood it. They're all Jews. They understood like not only the cattle thing, but they understood the rabbi thing. Jesus is not, he's not saying, hi, I'm here simply to give you victory. I'm here not simply to give you comfort. I'm not here simply, these are all important, to heal you, to comfort you. I'm here to give you the invitation. Come take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Meaning, get yoked with me Serve me, not yourself. And let me teach you how to think, how to feel, how to act, how to see things. Now that that young ox, you know, on the front end it's sort of hard, but after a while he'll get it. Jesus is not saying, Get all your stuff together, and then you come follow me. He's saying, yoke yourself to me. Let me teach you how to think, how to feel, how to act, how, how to see things. Let me do it. And it's a process. And there are going to be times going, oh, I don't like it. But it's a process. Learn from me. How do we unpack this? Jesus is looking at all these people, and they got a whole bunch of yokes. They have a whole bunch of sor- a whole bunch of sources of learning. They've learned from their tradition. They've learned from their culture. They've learned from their experience. They've learned from all of that. And and they have a love for God, right? And one of the reasons that they have all these burdens is that they're trying to carry all those yokes at the same time. All those yokes. At the same, some people actually think that the most important yoke is how you happen to feel at a certain moment. I'm just not comfortable with it. I know that's how you, but I'm just not comfortable with it. It's just amazing what we draw into, what teaches us how to think, what teaches us how to feel, what teaches us how to act, and what teaches us how to see things. It's amazing. And Jesus sitting there going, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. That's such a radical thing. All those people knew what was going and said, okay, you want to minister to us, great. But that, that next thing, that's just a little too strict. I mean, like, where's the freedom? Think about it. 
Uh, there's a scripture, I think it's in Romans, it says, we're a slave to the one we obey. That's what it says. This idea of freedom, freedom is just to do whatever we want without, without any consequences and any judgment, just being free. I mean, look how far that thing goes. Yeah, radical freedom is I self-identify as a giraffe. See, I did that in a non-political way, but everybody got it. No, And look, it's getting to the point where people are going, well, you know, I don't think I'm born again, but I self-identify as a Christian. Yeah, y'all got that one. A lot of self-identified Christians who have not surrendered their past, their present, or future to Jesus. They keep on getting to Jesus. Jesus loves them and ministered to them, but... The, you know, the freedom that our heart screams for is not the worldly freedom. The freedom, when we're actually enslaved to the real Jesus, that satisfies the human heart. The world teaches us not. The world, our, our flesh says, no, that can't be. But we all, hopefully, all of us know that when we struggle with something, we finally do it God's way. In the end, you go, oh, what an idiot. I could have been doing this years ago. No. <laughs> see, see, see what that prayer did. Just hurt that kid's feelings. No, this this is so important. Imagine the reaction where they, hey, come to me, I'll give you rest. But wait, here's another invitation. Yes, actually, here's another command. It's the same imperative sense. Another command, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. You know, throughout Scripture, it's pretty clear, you can't serve two masters. You can't carry two yokes. I mean, if you do, you just sort of go crazy, right? You try to go forward in the plans that God has for you, but you're still learning from where you've been. It's hard to live like that. You can live in your natural identity, you could learn from who you've been taught you are, and then you could learn from what God sa- says you are. And you know, have you ever tried to just have both those things at the same time, as if they have equal weight? It just sort of there's no translation for that. It's a message in tongues, Mike. So where's the freedom? Well, Jesus is sitting there going, "Come on, sign up." And let me teach you how to think, how to live, how to feel. Not all at once. It's a long road. I'll even teach you how to see things from my perspective. It's not, it is optional. It's one of those invitations with a little bit of command. So somebody, where's the freedom? This feels so restrictive. How's your yoke working for you? How's your rabbi working out for you? Some might, Jesus' invitation might go, well, that just sounds like brainwashing. You know, we say independent thinking, you know? And, And I get that. I shared this in Sunday school. For those of you who were there, I'm going to share that same story. 
and act as if it's the first time you've heard it. Years ago, years ago, I was doing these revival meetings. And in the middle of the week, I ran out of cash. And I went to a bank, and I'm standing in line. I'm going to get some cash out. And this, this lady comes up. She goes, are you that Goodman guy? And I'm going, yeah, who's asking? She goes, are you that Goodman guy doing those robot? I mean, she almost did this. But she did this. Are you that Goodman guy who's doing those revival meetings? And I go, why, yes. And, and I had no situational awareness. She was just asking me these questions. It hadn't occurred to me that she's irritated. And then she goes, well, my daughter's been going to those things. And I immediately went, well, praise God. Well, I'm really not happy. I, I was stunned. And then she's saying a whole bunch of reasons. But this is what she ended. She goes, you're, you're, you're just brainwashing those people. And then I went, I was stunned. I was young enough in ministry, I've never heard that. You know, you know the, the greatest attack that the world will have us on us is that we're the problem. We're the problem. We're the brainwashers. We're the abusers. We're the bad ones. But in any case... Um, brainwashing. I just didn't know what to do. And in a millisecond, God help me. What came out of my mouth was the genius of God. I said, you're right. It's exactly what I'm doing. I'm trying to brainwash those kids. I go, but the issue is not whether or not someone's brainwashed. The issue is, what do you wash your brain with? And she, I mean, I should have stopped right there. Really, I, to this day, I'm going, oh, I'm sorry. I should have, but I didn't. I said, what do you wash your brain with? <laughs> but it is a relevant question, is it? Who's your rabbi? What yoke are you carrying? What teaches you how to think? How to feel, how to act, how to see things. What source of teaching has authority in your life? What do you wash your brain with? It's a great question, isn't it? Now, there's some people, and because I'm sitting there thinking that, well, you know, if you follow Jesus, Scripture is important. Some people go, well, I'll put on Jesus' yoke, meaning I'll just follow Jesus. I didn't know until maybe like six months ago that there's this movement. It's called red-letter Christianity. Red-letter Christianity basically is, look, I've given my life to Jesus. I'm going to follow Jesus. And where we see the real true Jesus is in the Gospels, maybe the book of Acts, right? And so I'm going to follow Jesus. But the Old Testament, as we all know, is just old. And the New Testament, gosh, you know, it's sort of old-fashioned. You know, men and women and, oh, there's nothing else. And, you know, men and women and marriage and how husbands and wives. You know, that's just so, so, so first century. You know what I mean? Forgiving your enemies? No, I don't think so. I'm going to cancel. I'm going to learn. I'm going to follow Jesus and learn to cancel my enemies. 
It's amazing. So I'm going to follow Jesus. Never mind that Jesus himself said, gosh, I like the Old Testament. As a matter of fact, I teach for, you know, when I walked the earth, I taught from the te- Old Testament. And oh, by the way, you know, I had a hand in writing that. And oh, and by the way, in the Old Testament, Virtually every page points to me. So I like the Old Testament. Can't throw away the Old Testament. David didn't throw away. You go to the Psalms for comfort, right? But what about authority? David says some things that I agree with because I helped him write it. And all this New Testament stuff? Yeah, I'm in agreement with it too. Like you follow me, the book's yours. Can't cherry pick. Can't cherry pick. There may be some reasonable discussions on what to do with certain portions of Scripture. I get that. All of Scripture is God-breathed. And Jesus is sitting there going, come to me, you who are burdened, anxious, and all that. Come, and I will minister to you. I will love you. You will experience unconditional love, healing, all that sort of stuff. Come to me. Bring the condition of your heart to me. But while you're here, why don't you get a different rabbi? Why don't you take my yoke upon you and learn from me? They all knew what that meant. Look what happens. Jesus is trying to sell them on taking the yoke. He goes, for I am gentle and humble in heart. If you, have, if you were in the crowd and you hadn't put on his, his, that yoke, you'd go, no, I don't think so. You're not gentle and humble. You just basically recruited us to give up our whole lives to you. That doesn't sound humble. That doesn't sound gentle. What Jesus, I believe what Jesus is really saying, you put your, my yoke upon you, and then you will experience, then you will discover how I really am. Put my yoke upon you. It might be hard, you young ox you. May be hard, but after a while you go, Oh Jesus, you never once humiliated me. You never once beat me. You, you know, it was painful discipline, but oh my gosh, you love me so much. Thank you so much. There's a lesson in there. You really can't know him without first obeying him. I will say that it sounds that sounds really horrible, but it's not. You don't know what it's like to be forgiven fully of all your sins, to be born again. You don't know, you may have an idea, but you don't know what that's like until you obey the gospel. You know what I'm saying? There's something about when we obey him. And there's even a scripture, John 14, 21, that says, look, those who love me, they obey my commands. And those who obey my commands, to those people, I will reveal myself to them. How many times we go, oh God, you really want me to do this? I don't know. And then you do it. And all of a sudden, there's fresh grace on you. When you have a relationship that you know is, is really toxic, and no married people who are having a tough... Now, you can't divorce on the base of what I said. But, you know, there's a toxic relationship just dragging you down. Oh, I don't want to... I don't want what people think. And oh, you made it like, I'll be lonely. And then you finally do it. And it's hard on the front end, but then you go, Oh, Jesus, you're right. You feel so much better. Jesus is saying, take my yoke and start learning from me. And here's what you'll find. You'll find out what I'm, 
I'm really like. You'll find that I'm humble and I'm gentle. Now, here's the next thing that blew my mind. What, what got me to look at this is on the front end of this, it was come to me and I will give you rest. And then this next thing is, and then you will find rest. The first rest was a commodity. It was like, come to me, you got issues. Here, I'll touch you, your life. I will give you rest. And it said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. You'll find out what I'm really like. And you will find rest for your souls. Initially, I'm going, wait a second, you already gave them rest. And now they're going to find rest on this? And then I looked it up. See, I know nothing about Greek, but I know people who do. The experts I just look it up. And this word, anapazine, um, it's a really rich word. To, the kind of rest here is a ceasing from striving. It's sort of a sustained strength, a sustained inner vitality that has a source outside yourself. And Jesus is sitting there going, listen, come to me. I'll touch you. I'll love you. Take my yoke. You'll learn about how I really am. And you will find rest. You will find this sustained strength, this, this inner vitality whose source does not come from even your best intentions. It's an amazing thing. And then he goes, not only will you find rest, like you got to put the yoke on and just go at it for a while and you will find that thing. You will eventually experience that kind of thing. That kind of rest is what we're all really looking for. We're not just looking for a break. Our souls are not just looking for relief. Our souls are not just looking for a breather. They're looking for a sustained vitality that our worst circumstances can't take from us. But then he goes, you will find rest for your souls. Now, souls are sort of like basically how God made you. You know, mind, heart, you know, how he made you. Another way of putting it, your soul, you have a soul, she's got a soul, but guess what? You got different souls. You've got different callings. You've got different expressions of God and all that. And if you try really hard to be all that you can be in God, good luck with that. But Jesus is sitting there going, you take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. You'll, know, you'll start really knowing how I really am. And I will give you a vitality to really experience who you are called to be and what you're called to accomplish. You'll, you'll have identity, real specific identity that no one can take from you. You'll be able to walk out your purposes, not because you just got a lot of energy and you got this great coffee with high caffeine. It, it is, my soul is at rest. I'm, I'm tired of striving. I work hard with the energy that he gives me. It's a completely different ball game. And that's a great thing. But that kind of rest, Jesus is saying, you want that kind of rest? Take my yoke. 
take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And you will find rest from who you're called to be, for who you're called to be, and what you're called to accomplish. It's an incredible thing. And all these people are going, dang, this guy's serious. And then Jesus Some people think that, oh, that's just sort of crazy. We all know this in John 8, 31. Jesus said, if you hold to my truth, if you abide in my teaching, in other words, if you submit to his yoke, it's hard on the, you've got to wrestle with it. Then you're my disciple, and then you'll really know the truth, and the truth will set you free. How many of us have wanted to do this thing? How many of us have been taught this way? How many of us had this kind of yoke and then we see God's thing and we wrestle with it? In North Carolina, we say we wrestle with it. We wrestle with this thing and we just keep at it. When this thing comes, no, no, Jesus is my rabbi. No, 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 Jesus is my rabbi. I got his yoke. You do that long enough and all of a sudden, you're free. And you go, this is what freedom is like. That's what Jesus, he's showing the path to that kind of freedom that our souls scream for. And then he, then he ends this. Can you imagine being in the crowd? As a matter of fact, you can. <clears throat> and you hear this, it's like... <clears throat> you're, you're calling me to give my life away and get yoked and, oh, it's a freedom. And that's sort of tough. And that, so for me to experience what my heart really... I mean... This is almost like an ultimatum. You want the rest that your heart screams for? You've got to submit to me. Do things my way. It'll be hard, but it'll be worth it. You really want to get to know me? Mm, little by little, do things my way, and you'll see how I really am. Oh. And then he ends with this. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Everybody in this crowd going, look, what you just said... That's not easy, and that ain't light. Are you kidding? I'm 18 years old. I have my whole life ahead of me. Let me just have some fun before I give my life to Jesus, right? Or, look, I'm 60 years old. I've paid my dues. Let me just do whatever the heck I want until Jesus takes me home. Oh, come on. This is way too hard. Or, I would do it, but I know my wife wouldn't do it. This would be really hard. But Jesus, he's not a liar. He goes, no, really, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Do we believe that? Do we believe that? I mean, just to make this even more difficult, in 1 John chapter 5, verse 3, it says, this is love for God. We all love God. This is love for God, to obey his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. I don't think we believe that, but I have to forgive that so-and-so as Jesus forgave me? I don't think so. God, do you really want me to tithe? That's my money. Or, you know, there's a whole bunch of things. You go, That's not fair. Or, I love the guy, but he's just saved as an Easter egg. I can't marry him? That's just too hard. I'll be a spinster, you know, at age 22. No, I mean, these are, God, Jesus, it's, uh, following you is so hard. And Jesus is going, no, 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 no. 
My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Why? Because Jesus always is playing the long game. Imagine you don't know Jesus. And you've been blessed by Jesus, but you don't know Jesus. You haven't given your life. And you're going, look, I'm not ready to do it. I'm not ready to do it, but maybe one day I will. Because, you know, doing things Jesus' way is very different than how I'm doing it, right? And then, you know, you have some good coffee, and then you go outside, and uh, you walk home and get hit by a bus. And you're dead. And you're not in heaven. Which is the harder yoke? I know this sounds mean, but, like, this is heaven and hell. Who owns you? If Jesus owns you, it may be hard here and there, here and there, but in the long run, his yoke is easy, his burden's light. There are people in hell going, dang! Or, there are so many things, like how we do relationships. We know what God wants, but we have a better idea. And then down the road we go, oh my gosh, Jesus told me not to be unevenly yoked. Or, I'm supposed to forgive deeply from the heart as he's forgiven me, but here I am, I'm old, I'm bitter, I'm alone, I have no friends, and I've I've taught my family how to be bitter. In the long run, you just go, his ways are easy. His burden's light compared to what happens when I let some other rabbi, some other yoke, lead and guide me. How do you know if you're wearing his yoke? This actually is pretty easy. If you know what God wants, through scripture, through the Holy Spirit, if you know what God wants, and you're clear on what you'd rather do, or what you've been taught, if your heart is to yield you're wearing his yoke. The idea of getting rid of all your stuff so that you can obey God, good luck with that. When our will or our yokes or our rabbis <laughs> conflict with Jesus, when they conflict, what's your heart? Is your heart go, this is going to be hard, but God, I surrender this. I yield to you. I surrender this because I can't even change this. I can't change how I've been taught. I can't change my path. I can't, but I can surrender it and I can yield to you. If your heart is to yield, you have his yoke. It's like that young ox. I mean, you could probably wiggle out. It may be hard, but after a while, when the big ox's will and your will conflict, and you say, all right, I'll go with I'll go where you're going, old man. Then you're really wearing the yoke. And that's the same thing with Christianity. It's not just being super spiritual. When you wear his yoke, when there's real decision making, your heart is to surrender that area and then yield to his will. And watch what he does. That's what it is to wear the yoke of the Lord. There is no altar call. I'd love to do it. But years ago, Michael almost took my head off. I didn't know they hadn't changed it, that they had changed it. You know, Come on, everybody. You know, and Mike is sitting there going, we don't do that anymore. Stop it. Oh. No. But, and there's great wisdom in that. Let's pray.
There are two invitations before our hearts right now. Actually, two commands. The Spirit of Jesus is going first to us. You who are weary and heavy laden, just come to me. You don't have to do anything. Because of what I have done, you can come into my presence anytime you want. If you're hurting, you're anxious, you have suicidal thoughts, if you're grieving, if you're just confused, just come to me. And I'll give you rest. You don't have to come to me, but Jesus is inviting you and commanding, just come to me and let me start, let me teach you how I give rest. No questions asked. I won't beat you up while you have your issues. But just bring your issues, your burdens, and I will give you rest. Just take a minute. Some of you are just scared to death of your future. Will I live? Will I see my grandbabies? Come to me. I will give you rest. Will our marriage make it? Come to me and I'll give you rest. And here's the second thing. For those of you who are believers in Jesus, you know you're going to heaven. No. Jesus is saying, take my yoke upon you. And learn from me. Choose to make me your rabbi. Choose to be yoked to me. And I will, little by little, start teaching you how to think, how to feel, how to manage your heart, how to behave, and how to see things. But you're not going to get that without being yoked to me. And it's, when you make a decision, Jesus goes, okay, good. And you watch what he does in the future. Two more invitations. Here, for those of you, it's not a matter of putting on the yoke. Just coming back home. Life gets in the way of following Jesus times. Sometimes foolish decisions. We know we're born again. We know we're going to heaven. But life, some of our decisions, we've strayed. And Jesus is inviting and commanding, why don't you just come on home? Let's get you cleaned up. Put new clothes. Reset, do over. And after you do that, then you can take my yoke. But it's time to come home. If that's you, just say, Jesus, I want to come home. And the Spirit of God, he will hug you. They welcome home. Here's the last one. There's something about obeying the gospel. Usually it's an invite, but there's a lot of obey the gospel. If you have not surrendered your past, present, and future to Jesus, 
You're not born again. If you haven't confessed to Jesus, I'm a sinner, I really mean it, and see him as your only solution. If you haven't done that, Jesus said, if, if you'll go, all right, I'm a sinner. I need a savior. You're the only one. Please save me. You know what Jesus will do? He'll save you. Not just save you and forgive you. He'll own you. You become his. Then you can worry about all those other things. But if you you want to be owned by God forever and ever, just transact with God. This takes one decision. Lord, I want to pray for us. Lord, for those who have given their lives to Jesus for the first time, thank you that heaven is going nuts right now. And for those who are coming back, stop playing religious games. They're just coming back. They're leaving their pigsty, their pity party, whatever it is. They're just coming back to you. God, I ask that you would just give them like new clothes, a restart, and they would really feel part of the family, not just part of church. But God, for those who have said, I want your yoke, Lord, bless them with that. Because that's where we learn more about you. And that's where we get everything we need to be all you've created us to be and to accomplish everything you have for us. We thank you for your yoke. Bless this church, not only where it's at, but where you're going to lead it.